1: All right, uh, welcome in, everybody. It is the PJ Show. Patrick Johnson here with you on this uh, Tuesday. Here we go. R.I.P. the great Toby Keith. Crank this up a little bit. Give big
0: boss man, he likes to crack at whip. I nothing but a number on his time card slip. I gave him 40 hours and a piece of my soul. Puts me somewhere at the bottom of his totem. I don't even think it knows my name Yeah, all week long I'm a real nobody But I just punched out in this bitch check Friday Weekend's here, good God Almighty I'm gonna get you rock and be somebody, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: All right, let's kill it before we uh, get booted off of the uh, book Good stuff there. That was the song, uh, great Toby Keith tune. We would always play that song um, prior to uh, Friday Talk of the Towns back in the day. Like back in the day, my first go around on the show. So uh, that was that. Uh, pretty good stuff. Uh, great to have you with us uh, here as we uh, as we launch on this uh, on this Tuesday. All right, uh, Toby Keith stomach cancer tough stuff really is uh intern william is a country music fan i didn't know this until i just found out intern william you don't like hip hop, do you i mean you're like a real country music fan aren't you
2: i like a little bit of everything you know just listen to everything bunch of genres do you well that's
1: fine i'm just saying but you don't like like the modern country
2: oh you? no like no the, no uh, no i like the classics
1: Like the sugar shaker junk and all that. That's, I mean, Nashville is so brutal now with its music.
2: Nashville isn't what it used to be. No.
1: All right. Are you good, intern William? Are you.
2: I'm I'm good. What?
1: Okay. All right. Can you help Pilk with a few Toby Keith tunes today? Because I don't know if Pilk knows what he's doing in that (laughs) regard.
2: I'll try to help him as much as possible. Okay. All right. Sounds good.
1: Thank you, intern William. Enlightening stuff. I just wanted to make sure you didn't like the modern country, which sucks. Yes, I said it.
2: Yeah, it modern modern country is not for me. But I do have one fun fact about Toby Keith today. Okay. Considering Dude, I, that I, I we like do materials. talk a lot of sports here, that's kind of our thing. You, yeah. Toby Keith was, once played defense in the USFL.
1: Yeah, he was a college football player.
2: Yeah, I just didn't know that he went semi-professionally.
1: Well, that was full professional. USFL was back true, true. So, one semi-pro, college paid probably like semi-pro, but it was it was it was it was a thing. That was a thing at one point. To be honest, um, great stuff. Thank you. That was good way to tie it into the sports team. That was great. Pilk, are you are you a country fan? You strike me unfortunately. Well, no, you strike me as you'd like. Uh, like real country music, Pilk? I do, man. I like None Waylon and Willie, and
3: day. you know yeah. uh, George Jones, as well as uh, the nineties country. Love some Garth and uh, oh, yeah. George Strait, and I, I did grow George up listening a lot King of George, yeah, Seen a lot him many of, uh, times in concerts. Toby Keith. I like Toby Kenny Keith. Chesney. I know he's not really Kenny Chesney's not really country. He's like island music, but I do like I like Kenny Chesney. Yeah, there is well.
1: some stuff Chesney has I like. I am not the uh, huge fan, uh, but there is a few things he has I like. So I, uh, what do the a few years, probably it was 15, 17 years ago. Now, uh, went to Toby Keith's concert and it was really right after like his big apex, he wasn't necessarily falling, but he had rounded the top of the hill. You know what I mean? He'd, he'd hit the apex and maybe he was starting to,
3: he wasn't as go good as he as, once was, is what you're trying to well, say.
1: Yes. That's a great song. And I hope we play that today. No, he was still fantastic. It's just, you know, I, I, it was sort of um, commercially was the beginning of uh, of him not being such a huge huge deal. Uh, always anonymous text line says Conway Twitty. Well, yeah, of course. But well, Conway
3: um, and Loretta Lynn always.
1: Yeah, yeah, love Loretta Lynn. Um, but you know, so to me, it seems like uh, that. You know, he was sort of on his way. I mean, he still was a big production. I thought, boy, this is an expensive production. Uh, But he had uh, Trace Atkins opening for him. And this was right as Atkins was starting his elevation to be, you know, a huge sensation. Although I think Toby Keith ended up being kind of bigger, at least in my opinion. So RIP to the great Toby Keith. 62. Very young. Very young. Uh, We have some... uh, Interesting uh, info today as far as uh, preseason goes. Uh, Jim Zoki, by the way, will be uh, on the uh, line with us uh, today. We'll talk uh, the Super Bowl. We'll talk a big uh, move by the Panthers to retain their defensive coordinator. Uh, So all of that will be uh, what we talk. Uh, Pirate Baseball, which starts a week from Friday against Ryder. We're going to have a special show that day. We'll be on the air uh, a week from Friday at 3 o'clock. Uh, we'll do a, uh, lead in that day, a special lead in show at three with the game starting at four. Of course, let's hope there's no weather and then, uh, everything will time out as it's uh, supposed to. But, uh, Trey, savage, another all America honor is, uh, he's named second team by baseball America. And then the, uh, baseball writers association of North Carolina, uh, naming you savage, a first team, uh, Member of their all America team and uh my guy Jacob starling, the pirate second baseman third team all america and then Kirk Kraft sent me something um big deal for them today too. did you see this Pilk did you see this? Did you read about this I did track not see track a big, thing.
3: i did I, did. I yeah, saw the swimming team big, made the uh like scholar team for their three point yeah, five gPA yeah. I did not see anything about track
1: yeah well no, that's great I'm uh, happy for them. Um, let's see here. Um, oh, by the way, uh, Pilk, we're going to have a one-hour media avail with Coach Houston and uh, the assistants at Town Bank Tower next Wednesday on Valentine's Day morning at 10 uh-huh. in the morning. Uh. So Coach Houston and the assistant coaches, they're not going to do a uh, signing day event, which signing day is uh, tomorrow. Who knew? and so the second signing day so uh there'll be a a media day one hour session so we'll have that for you on i'm sure i go have some of it but we'll have it for you on uh, wednesday so that's what we'll be doing uh next wednesday on valentine's day uh let me see here i got the official email i probably should have just found what Kraft sent me and that been that uh, um, no, that didn't send it to me. Let me find this it's captivating radio. Me searching for something in my uh, on my phone, isn't it?
3: Sounds like uh, one of our <laughs> phone calls normally.
1: you <laughs> Pilk, you're, I, I I put you over today, and you're filling your oats on this thing.
3: I, I had to give, give a couple laughs. You know, somebody's got to be the jerk laugh guy. You know, that's, no, that's no, going to be no. me. Today.
1: Well, you. No, you don't have to be. Uh, track and fields for ECU, uh, Milicia, uh Muzan. And apologies if I mispronounced that. Anyway, she's been named the American Athletic Conference Women's Track Athlete of the Week. Recognition the first of her career. The honor comes after a phenomenal weekend at the South Carolina Invite on Saturday at the uh, meet. She finished second in both the 60-meter and 200-meter in remarkable times. Uh, so there you go. Excellent stuff. Congrats to uh, her and uh, our great friend, Kurt Kraft. Uh, let me see. Uh, first pirate to earn weekly honors since uh, Jared Harold did in the outdoor season and the first to do in the indoor season since fellow sprinter uh, Royal Burris did a season ago. So there you go. Awesome stuff there. Congratulations to all of those involved exciting. All right. Um, Jim Zoki's is going to be with us. Uh, Super Bowl's coming up. Uh, Pil- I saw it got down to a point and a half for Sanford Sico over the Casey Swifties. So is that, uh, for entertainment purposes only, what is the line today? Uh, this was, I think, last night or early this morning. It's all blending together between Monday and Tuesday. That Monday to Tuesday thing's becoming a little well, tough for the old P-Man here. About yeah, I'm, I'm
3: seeing to. two right now for the Niners.
1: So two, so it's around there. Like I said, I think some books were taking a point and a half, which I wouldn't have touched. Well, it's basically a pick em, right? I mean, that's kind of the rule of thumb, right? It's the pick em.
3: Yeah, I mean, it might as well. I say anything under two and a half. If you're doing two, one and a half. Well, the one, rule of thumb is usually
1: anything. If it's three, it's a pick em.
3: Yeah, true. We've had we've had a couple Super Bowls decided by less than three points though. Um when the Giants beat the Bills. That was a one point game. Um Yeah, I'm but sure it's could, rare. It is rare. I'm sure it's I could rare. come up with another, but maybe not. You know, maybe Pilk, that's the only I one, also am from
1: the era and from the time where the Super Bowl would be a blowout, you know.
3: Yeah, when the 49ers beat the crap out of everybody, or the Broncos just got the crap kicked out of them by anyone they played. Whether right. it be the Redskins, right. the Giants, Cowboys.
1: Yeah. Ooh. I mean, there was a day where it was uh, these these games were not as uh, competitive as they have been. The first one that I can remember, I know one of the giant Super Bowls kind of came down to a kick, but the first one that I remember that was I thought was like uber competitive was uh, the year that the Rams lost and they threw the the Titans. Was it the Titans that beat the Rams?
3: No, the Rams beat the Titans. The Kevin Dyson. The Rams played. beat yeah. the Titans.
1: You're right. So it was the Ram and, and the Titans completed that pass down to the one. Yep. And the, cause it was Kurt. Yeah. yeah. So it ended up being, uh, the Rams winning and it was a thrilling kind of game. And then from that point on, by and large, the only blowout I can remember, the one that kind of was, and it really wasn't a blowout as much. It was just a domination was when the Panthers got the year they went, uh, uh when Seattle won game of the regular, Seattle
3: season. beat Denver a couple years before that for the year, yeah, before that's that was true bad. Too. That's true too. Um, Seattle hammered that.
1: Denver that year, and then Denver kind of stuffed the Panthers. Yeah. And then
4: the
3: other play. one that was bad was the first Ravens one. It was the year after the Kevin Dyson Rams Titans thing. Oh, yeah. The, over yeah, Kerry yeah, Collins yeah, and the Giants. One that one was bad. Yeah. The yeah. Raiders Bucks one wasn't that close. There's been a couple, but it, you're, you're right. Well, All by I and mean, large, it it's been it just better.
1: It just didn't feel like, you know, again, it's the feel for a lot of this, but. That's what the NFL, as much as they, it's fun to have a dynasty where the, and, and you could argue the dynasties in the 80s and 90s kind of brought folks in as, as being interested. But the thing that really sort of um, jump started this thing was uh, the, the fact that the Super Bowl, which is the biggest game of the year, has been competitive. And, you know, uh, we said this last night, and I'll, I'll say this as well, and it's it's a suggestion, and it, it, it does tiptoe on commercials, so we have to call it the big game. But, I mean, if you're doing a party, like the people at Tiebreakers told me, uh, Texas Roadhouse has said, that go ahead and get your orders in now for the food. They'll have it ready Sunday, and you pop by and pick it up. Don't call them Sunday and try to get the food in, the food order in, to get your wings or ribs or whatever. Come on.
3: I'd say call him by Thursday at latest would be my. I, yeah, I would yeah.
1: too. Are you going to a Super Bowl party, Bill?
3: Yeah, I, I believe so. Um, usually I go with my freshman year roommate. He lives over in Rocky Mount, Nashville area. Usually I go to his parents' house. I've done that since my freshman year. Okay. So as far as I know, that's where okay. I'm going.
1: All right. What about intern William? Super Bowl party, yay or nay intern William?
2: Uh, yeah, you, even Bill. though I'm okay. not a fan of either of the teams playing in the said Super Bowl.
1: William, you first of all, William's just hanging out on the set instead of in there working with Pilk. He's a star now. William, you understand you're going to the party for the for the fellowship and the fun and the food. You're not necessarily going to watch the game, right?
2: Specifically, the food, the fellowship, yeah, and team, fun is there, but the food yeah. is the most important key. And seeing how many wings I can eat.
1: Oh, I love that. Now, if your your team were in it, you wouldn't watch it. You just would go somewhere else because, or you'd stay home if your team were in it. Last
2: time
3: my team was in it, I stayed home. I didn't watch it with anybody.
1: Yeah, because you can't at a Super Bowl party. It's a social thing. Um, You know, it's funny, Pilk. I was talking uh, yesterday. I'm on this EC weight loss, East Carolina weight loss deal, and I was talking to them yesterday about some ideas for kind of foods during the Super Bowl because it's un American not to eat. You got to eat at the Super Bowl, right? Of course. Uh, and so, you know, you've got to, to figure out a way to um, work in some food that we all like for, uh, for the Super Bowl. And so I was talking to them about ideas about that. And they gave me some ideas for wings and, and you know, turkey meatballs, which I actually like. And obviously, you're going to have a veggie tray. So that would be good. Uh, I did the weigh-in yesterday. Officially, I've lost 25 pounds in six weeks. From last week, I lost a, an inch in my chest. Half an inch in my waist and an inch in my hips from last week. I lost several inches uh, there. And uh, it's a very easy program. I've, I'm enjoying it. Uh, and it's something that I'm excited about doing and, and keeping the momentum rolling. Um, so if you had that goal to lose weight in January and it didn't quite work out, you can still get on board because uh, I was talking to a guy today, a listener, who got on this and he's been on it now for five days. He's lost six pounds already. I've lost 25, and, I, and I've and i tried everything. Uh, you can lose a pound of fat every day naturally. You can do it safely, effectively. You don't count points or calories. There's no exercising, even though I walk on the beach now. No prepackaged meals, no drugs, no surgery, no injections with those risky side effects. Uh, visit EastCarolinaWeightLoss.com. Tell them I sent you, or you can, you can do that and schedule a free consultation. But do this as well. Call this phone number. It is uh, 252- Tell them I sent you, and uh, you'll have an opportunity to uh, get on board with this weight loss journey. It's remarkable what's going on and how it's working out so so well for people. All right, uh, it is the Patrick Johnson Show. We're going to break. Jim Zocchi will talk uh, some of the Panthers news. And we'll talk, uh, P- Pilk. What is the name of the uh, the defensive coordinator? I can never pronounce it, and I don't. Yeah, I can't either. I so I
3: need to look up a pronunciation.
1: Well, get 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 Pilk to, or get uh, Zoki to talk. All right. All right. Uh, we'll be back with Jim Zoki as we uh, talk the Super Bowl and the Panthers.
0: Patience everywhere are- you ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 94.3thegame.com, this is The Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man.
1: Jim Zoki is uh, as good as he's ever been. As we uh, play some uh, Toby Keith here today to honor the, uh, the country superstar who died. Good stuff, Bill. Intern William Patrick Johnson here on the PJ Show. Uh, we say hello to uh, Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio uh, Network. Uh, Zoke, how's it going? Thanks for joining us again.
5: Doing well. Hope you're doing well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Okay. Doing are, you, right. are you at the you vacation for, home or are asking? you just uh, working? Uh, I am... Uh, I've set up a shop at the uh working man's beach for a little bit.
5: Okay. Yeah, it sounded like you were kind of further away. I can't uh I can't see but you sounded farther away. Even though you are far I away. I
1: sounded further away. Okay.
5: Well you sound you sound well, um a... distant to me on my on my phone. Not to the listeners probably but to me.
1: Oh, is that right? Yeah, you don't sound as uh, as, as rich as you normally do. I got Pilt needs to to raise your uh, volume into my are ear. Are we on walkie can, talkies
5: cause... right now? Are we doing this via walkie talkie? I...
1: I think cans with a string. <laughs> I'm, I'm harkening back to my Curtis Media days. I, oh, I'm that'll curious, get me. I, I'll, get a, I'll get a memo now. I'll get a memo on that. What are you saying? I'm sorry? I can hear you now. It's like a little bit of like a slight delay, I think, when I say
5: something. there's like a,
1: a pause. Ah, but
5: we can work, we can work okay. with all of this. It's fine. It's okay.
1: No, no. As you know, Jim, uh, there are always pratfalls in, uh, in our business, <laughs> and you've got to work through them. That's what makes you a That's professional. Right. And that's what we'll makes you a WBT Hall of Famer. Well, maybe, probably not. Yeah. Do you like the idea of the Super Bowl in Vegas? I see. To me, I think it ought to be in the in the in a pretty frequent rotation.
5: Yeah, and it's honestly um, because it's so new, one of the few stadiums I've not been in. Drove by it. We were in Vegas about two years ago while they were building it, getting close to finishing it. So it'd be cool to see it um, from the inside. But, yeah, I think it should definitely be in that rotation. I promise you it will be. I don't think we even have to, like, say that. I think that it just will be uh, because of being brand new, being Vegas. And uh, it just seems like everything's just moving that way. Uh, So, yeah, I would expect to see uh, that be a heavy rotation, I would think.
1: You know, a lot of them were in Miami for years, and it just seems like now that uh, Vegas and L.A. are are the – are the sweet spots to be in a rotation. Yeah, they're,
5: you know, they're, they're inside. So, I mean, for them, like, because as we all know, the game is like one of 20,000 things going on. So for all the stuff they do at halftime and pregame and all the other stuff going on, it probably eliminates a lot of, even if you're in a nice place like Florida it can rain. So just, it just eliminates a lot of other factors for them to to have that kind of atmosphere there.
1: Panthers radio network, uh, Jim Zoki, when you have been with the Panthers twice, The halftime is longer because of the halftime entertainment. So what did you all do to create additional content? I mean, I probably sold commercial avails. That probably helped. But uh, what what did you do to sort of create, you know, a a captivating 25-minute halftime show on radio?
5: Yeah, it's not like you could do like scores from around the league. At halftime, so, um, <laughs> interviews. I mean, there's there's so many interviews because uh, when we go, we go with the team, and you probably saw the Chiefs and Niners arrived on Sunday, and people see like like yeah. yesterday, I think or last night it was like it used to be called Media Day, and that became Media Evening, and now it's called First Night or whatever they call it, and, and so right, right. that's just you see that you think, oh, that's the night to get all the player interviews. Guess what? Tuesday they wake up and do it again uh, at tables at Hotel Banquet Room. Wednesday they do it again. Thursday they do it again. There's like four of those opportunities to interview everybody, uh, all the assistant coaches, the players, and all that. It's not in a big ar- arena like it is on the opening night, but uh, just in the hotel, the big uh, the big rooms, the big banquet rooms are at tables. So there's there's plenty of recorded opportunities uh, to get plenty of interviews with everybody. So a lot of that kind of stuff. And, you know, funny story is because it was pre- Uh, You know, internet and all that. Super Bowl thirty eight is now what twenty years ago. So we did uh, the halftime show was the infamous uh, Justin Timberlake Janet Jackson episode. We didn't Mm -hmm. know anything about that until we got on the bus afterwards. Like we had no clue that the Janet Jackson thing had happened because we're up in the booth uh, in the field. You can't see, so it's just uh, it just uh, was so quick. Obviously, for one thing, too. So that that was um, that was interesting that that happened, and then. The uh, Super Bowl 50, I, I'm pretty sure we had Beyonce, and I forget. There's always you know multiple performers, but I think Beyonce was the headliner for Super Bowl 50. I know Lady Gaga did the anthem, did a good, really good job of the anthem for that one, but uh, that's my recollections of the entertainment part.
0: What For
1: you as a fan, Zoke, what is the first Super Bowl that you can remember?
5: I think for me, I'm late 50s now, probably... Like, the Dolphins were really good, and they were in the Super Bowl. Like, uh, I would say, like, maybe playing, like, Washington, whatever, like, Super Bowl 7 or 8 or something like that. was, like, probably, like, when I was, like, 7 or 8 years old. And then, like, the Steelers were always in it after that. Like, it was just that that era of the Steelers were playing the Cowboys a lot in those Super Bowls. So, kind of the Terry Bradshaw years and all that. So, kind of the tail end of the, the Larry Zonka... Bob Greasy, and then into the Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan, John Starworth era. That, that, that's like my elementary school memories of, of watching right. the big game.
1: Uh, Jim Zoki with us. We'll get back to the game here in just a, a second. Um, some NFL news and notes, and one including the Panthers, they retained their defensive coordinator. Uh, I don't think it's a huge surprise. Uh, I think it's a good sign, too, that they're retaining a lot of the defensive coaches. So. Uh, talk to us about how that went down in Charlotte.
5: Yeah, I mean, not much has been said publicly as far as, like, there's been no availability with the Jaro Rivero, But um, I think they felt when they introduced the coach, Dave Canales, so we were at the press conference last Thursday, I guess it was, i trying to think what day it was, and Dan Morgan is the GM. They, they seemed pretty confident then that that was going to happen. And by then the head coaching things were filling up. He interviewed with Seattle twice. Um, of course, that ended up going in a different direction. But uh, I think they're happy to have him here. And obviously, he's familiar with his players. As you said, his coaching staff looks like it's coming back as far as the assistants go. And, you know, they had to play probably not exactly the way he wanted to play. They did a great job in terms of keeping yardage down. Uh, but I'm sure that they, they'd love to turn it up a notch and be able to gamble a little bit more and go after turnovers and quarterback sacks because they were about last, if not dead last, in those categories. Uh, but again, it's all that complimentary football, right? You try not to give up any big play. So they did a lot of keep the other team in front of you, try to keep the scoring check because you had an offense that struggled so much. So, you know, I think the hope would be they'd be able to get something going on offense this year that, you know, more competitive. And then you can kind of turn it loose on the defense a little bit more, probably do more than what he would like to do.
1: Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network is uh, with us uh, here. Was this a, prerequisite of Canales's hiring or or do you think that this you know happened in, in kind of a process or organically
5: no I think um you know one thing is you know, of course Canales comes from the division so he was familiar with what he was seeing out of that defense um, in the two games and they played well honestly against Tampa Bay on the defensive side of both games uh, so I think he wanted him here I don't think it was not mandated uh, that they keep a Gerald there again he was interviewing for head coaching jobs. Uh, they did block him from lateral moves of interviewing for being defensive right. coordinator elsewhere, with I think three other teams mm-hmm. who are interested in him. But I think you know, I think that was a want to as opposed to have to thing. So yeah, I think right. it worked out good as far as him wanting them there. And again, Canales, being a first-time head coach, he's only been an offensive coordinator for one year, so it's not like say like Dan Quinn going to Washington, where he's been a head coach before. He's got his, all his guys lined up. I mean, this is like kind of doing it from scratch. And obviously his background is going to be on the offensive yeah. side. So it probably worked out really well for him to have the defensive stuff taken care of for him.
1: I, I want to ask you about what's going on in DC in a second, but, um, you know, Z- uh, Jim Zoki with us, by the way, Panthers radio network, uh, always great to catch up with Zoke here on the PJ show. Uh, we'll also talk about the Super Bowl. Get J- Jim's thoughts on that. Um, with, with Carolina, uh, do you think that Canelo's, some of the things he was saying, it seemed like, in a way, those were the things he maybe had been saying in private to uh, Bryce Young, and he was maybe reaffirming them in in his press conference. Um, I, I kind of picked up on this uh, day before yesterday on, on something I was reading and looking at or, or watching. Uh, so this, this seems like a, a much more, Clearly, more so than Frank Reich, it it seems like this is a better marriage as far as a QB and an offensive uh, minded head coach.
5: Yeah, I think, you know, probably in hindsight, you know, Frank Reich, you think about he worked with a lot of different quarterbacks. I think he had a different one every year in Indianapolis, but the different ones were guys like Philip Rivers. You know, even Carson Wentz had been around for a long time. You still had Andrew Luck the first year there. I mean, these were guys that knew how to play, and in the case of Philip Rivers, will be in the Hall of Fame one day. And if Andrew Luck had kept playing, would have probably been in the Hall of Fame too. This was you know, taking a rookie quarterback from scratch and coming together with a whole new coaching staff um, into the situation here. Uh, I just think that it was a steeper mountain to climb that needed more time for anybody that was going to come into the situation than they probably predicted would take take place. Yeah, and then you see CJ Shroud. I mean, he just jumped in right away and played great. But in this case, for whatever reason, you know, Bryce Young, it just it wasn't coming together quickly. And you're too, you hope to see more of it. You know, Canales is, you know, clearly this is right in his wheelhouse in developing quarterbacks. Uh, and again, he has worked with talent. He worked with, you know, a guy like Baker Mayfield had success in Cleveland before. You know, Russell right. Wilson had success prior to him being there as far as his quarterbacks coach. He was a receivers coach there for a while. But um, Geno Smith, he certainly got the most out of Geno Smith that anybody's gotten out of him to that point. So I think there's more of a feeling like he can work with today's quarterbacks in different offenses. And he kept uh, chirping on the 2.7 seconds. Ball's got to come out quick. And honestly, with Bryce Young, you saw, I mean, it does. I mean, Bryce Young, hand, you know, stand in the pocket. Yeah, that ain't going anywhere good. Uh, he can't see the pocket breakdown. Yeah. So it's, the ball's got to come out quick, and it's got to be accurate. And I think those are the type of things in what we you know, used to call West Coast offense. Um, and now it's got all the different terms for it. You know, I think that's what it's going to be. I think you know, everything has to have all the components eventually to it. But I think the staple is, is going to be the, the, the quick, open routes. Get them, get them quickly. Don't hang in the pocket. Ball comes out and, and not get you know, stuck in the pocket.
1: We're talking to uh, Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network. He's joining us uh, here on the PJ show. Hey, uh, Zoke Dan Quinn to Washington. Um, and again, you know, what's happening with K- uh, Kingsbury going there as the offensive coordinator all seems like, uh, as you said, there's a plan there. Uh, but, look, there's been many coaches with some uh, great resumes that have gone to Washington in the last 30 years and uh, flamed out. How would Dan? How will Dan Quinn be different?
5: It's funny to so say, how will he be different? I feel like they hired Ron Rivera. <laughs> I mean, just a solid <laughs> NFL veteran, defensive coordinator, former head coach guy, and I, I feel like they've they all both- – Found like the next Ron Rivera. Uh, what he does have in his pocket, though, is a second overall pick. So assuming that Caleb Williams was off the board, which is interesting, because of course Cliff Kingsbury was on staff at USC. So I'm sure they'd love to figure out a way of getting those two together. And you would you would think, as we sit here today, Drake May, which is a, not a bad consolation prize. Of course, last year it was you know C.J. Stroud. Uh, so it's not always the guy that goes first. So he's he's going to have what should be a really quality young quarterback coming in. And Sam Howell had his moments, but I just think there was a real disconnect as far as just to take the offense for a minute with Eric Bieniemy. You know, so much was thought well of him in Kansas City, but in Washington, I mean, they threw more than any team in the league out of 32 teams with Sam Howell. They threw the ball more yeah. than anybody last year. There was also, I think, it sounds like a personal riff in terms of just uh, the way he handled the players. I'm not saying he did it wrong, but I just, they didn't, they seemed to bristle at the fact that he was kind of very much a disciplinarian on the offensive side, and they didn't like that. So, Whether he's right or they're right, it wasn't working, Um, and then the defense uh, just was what it was, so it was time to move on, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Kingsbury can do there, and um, again, former head coach, of course, with the Arizona Cardinals, we had some success with Kyler Murray, and then that kind of fell apart, and so we'll see, I guess, so to answer your question, like our situation here with the Panthers, with Canales, we'll see how it goes, and Dan Quinn gets a second opportunity as a head coach, obviously, he's been to a Super Bowl before, so... He knows to a large degree what, what he's doing, had great success running that Cowboys defense last year. So I'm sure he's learned a lot uh, since he's been a head coach the last time, too. So I say it all the time players win games. It, coaching matters. It's the thing that kind of puts you over the top. It absolutely impacts the game as far as what matters. But you could have a really good coach with no players, it's not going anywhere. But if you have really good players and even just an okay coach, it probably will still work out to a large degree. So coaching absolutely matters and it's important. But All of them need players as far as what's a priority and what matters. Excellent football players make every coach better.
1: Uh, Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network, is uh with us here. Let's talk, uh, the Super Bowl. Um, oh, by the way, B. Enemy, where where, what happens with him, do you think? I mean, you know, it's I don't know what's out there as far as any offensive coordinator positions that are open. He obviously took a gamble to get out of uh Kansas City, and then look what the uh as I like to call them now, Zoke, the KC Swifties have done. They've gotten back to another <laughs> Super Bowl. Uh, they've got the best uh, quarterback uh, clearly in the uh, league still. I don't think there's any debating that. So um, w- w- what happens to Eric enemy in your mind?
5: Uh, yeah, I think, you know, as you said, the, the hiring cycle kind of ended when he got let go. That was the last team to kind of make a move as far as hiring their new head coach. So uh, it could be just because of timing, and uh you know you 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 play the the merry-go-round game and there's not not enough chairs i just may not just be a spot for him right now but again did really good things when he was in kansas city so i'm sure there's some connections around the league where eventually he'll land back on his feet coaching once again somewhere maybe as a coordinator once again i don't know i I don't know well enough to know if he'd be interested in like a college head coaching job um something of that type that might be the move that he makes as far as being a head coach would go but uh I would think, you know, certainly he'll get an opportunity. He'll be coaching somewhere. It, it just may not be just because of availability in this cycle.
1: Well, you know, these college coaches, i mean, look at what BC—that guy left the head coaching job. I think these college coaches are fed up with the portal and NIL and and all of that. All right, uh, let's talk the Super Bowl. Jim Zoki with us uh, here. I think there's obvious an advantage at um, there's an advantage at uh, quarterback for for Kansas City clearly. But it seems to me that if you go down kind of all the position groups, and particularly on defense, the Niners are a little, little better and maybe a little more talented in certain areas.
5: Yeah, it's like, uh, you're right, the Chiefs have the, the best quarterback, and people are already trying to put him ahead of Tom Brady, which is, you know, hold the, hold the phone on that. I mean, they've had great success, and he's very good. But, I mean, come on, Brady. <laughs> I mean, whether you like him or not, the guy's unbelievable as far as winning championships go. So I think, um, but if he wins another one, you might be talking about, is this the second best ever, uh, to do it? Certainly top, top five and maybe top three for sure at this point. And then obviously in Travis Kelsey, the most dynamic pass catching tight end, uh, not only of, of this year, but of this era uh, of football. So I mean, they've got, obviously they win those two categories, but you're right in terms of diversity of, you know, having Christian McCaffrey, having Debo. Iuke, uh, all these guys out there. Kittle, I mean, when he's healthy and been playing well, it's like one of the top five tight ends, certainly in the league still. So I think that they've got a lot to work with. And Brock Purdy, again, system fits with what Shanahan needs to do out there and doesn't have to put up big numbers. If he throws for 270 yards and a touchdown, that that could win the game because they both have excellent defenses. So it may not be a high-scoring game as we saw with the Baltimore Kansas City game going 17-10. to So probably won't be I don't think a really high-scoring game. It's just a matter of who's going to oh. make those couple, two, three big plays in the game.
1: To me, as great as KC is on defense, I, the, the Niners may be better.
5: No, they are. You saw them put their foot down in the second half of that Detroit game against yeah. that, that juggernaut of a the Lions. they all that's been made of what Dan Campbell's decision-making did and all this and that. It's like, you don't win that game if you can't stop the bleeding, which had, it was 24 points at halftime, and they did. So they made adjustments, and that's our... That's our guy, Steve Wilkes, uh, the defensive coordinator of the Niners. Right,
1: yeah. Panthers
5: interim head coach, and, and sometimes teams don't adjust; they can't figure it out during the course of the game, and they only get you know twelve minutes. So they go in there, and they come back out, and they just slam the door uh, the rest of the way. And that big that big turnover is what they really needed when they got that down about the thirty yard line or so, and were able to get that second score in the second half. So, yeah, I think you know Steve Wilkes and that defense do a phenomenal job, and they went out got Chase Young in season. So. Yeah, they're built for making a Super Bowl championship run in this season. I've been gearing for this.
1: All right, Zoke, who you got? Give me a score. Give me a winner.
5: And, you know, it's one of those things. It's like razor's edge. I mean, I could flip a coin. And you could make a case easily for, for either one. I'm gonna go with San Francisco to win this game because of some of the things you talked about. I think they have diversity of plans, but I know it's easier said than done. Travis Kelsey, if you could kind of at least minimize him, keep him under you know two touchdowns and 120 yards. You know, if you can just kind of keep him in check to some degree, you know, then there, there's not a lot of scary weapons. They don't really run the ball well again this past week against Baltimore. So I, I think if you can somehow just, you know, spot him with two guys, whatever you got to do. Um, it's an interesting dynamic. No one else has that. Where the Holmes and Kelsey, I don't feel like Kelsey even runs routes. I just feel like he just freestyles. They just seem to know right. what each other is thinking. And that's why they're so hard to, uh, to guard, if you will, because it's just like, he doesn't run traditional routes. But beyond that, um, I think there's a lot of different things with San Francisco to work for. As you said, they are have kind of a wash as far as who's got the better defense. Um, so, again, I, I do think uh, just by the razor edge, I think it will be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a really high-scoring game, probably low 20s at the most. Um, I'll, I'll take the, the Niners to do it, as I've been saying, because it's, we got to cap the most Panther season ever. Steve Wilkes, Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey. Something happens to Brock Purdy where Sam Darnold comes off the bench and throws two touchdowns. And leads them to the victory is going to be the final icing on the cake.
1: Yeah, CMC is the uh, the MVP. Who do you like as the MVP? Give me an MVP
0: pick.
5: You know he'll touch the ball twenty something times, so I would think so. I, would, right. I would think he's got the best opportunity in that case. And the MVP always comes from the winning team. So if I'm picking them to win, I think yeah, McCaffrey. Just to add another layer uh, as the MVP <laughs> they just cap the whole
4: thing
2: off.
3: Come on, Zoe, tell that to hey, the Zoke. Colts in Super Bowl five. They won. Chuck Howie got the MVP, yeah. you know? <laughs> got to go back a <laughs> long ways, but
5: it's happening. You do have you, you. went way back. That's back when you were just a wee little guy there, Philip, I'm sure. You were yeah. Right. <laughs> like negative
1: 30 then or something. <laughs> hey, uh, Zoke, great to talk to you. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you from time to time here over the uh, next few weeks. You got it. Thanks, guys. See you. All right. The great Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network. Uh, let's uh, take a break. We come back. Philip the Ref Pilkington with a 94.3 The Game sports update and Pirate Report. And then we'll uh, have a, our own little Pirate Report, a recap of last night's Inside Pirate Athletics with Kim McNeil uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show.
0: Miss Kitty, have you ever thought-
3: Phillip Pilkins here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. There were more preseason honors being handed out to Pirate baseball players. Last week, we already told you that Trey Savage was named to the first team preseason All-American by the NCBWA. And he was joined yesterday by Jacob Starling, who was named to the third team preseason All-American team. Also yesterday, Trey Savage was given more preseason honors when he was named to the second team All-American. American preseason honors by baseball America. ECU women's swimming and diving have performed well in more than just the pool this year as they were earned the Scholar All-American team honors for the 29th time. The Pirates finished the semester with a 3.5 GPA. The Philadelphia Eagles are heading to Brazil. The team will open the season week 1 on a Friday night, little Friday night lights as they will host a game at Coronthians Arena and São Paulo, the opponent has yet to be announced. In local high school news, Jones County Board voted Monday that Jones County High School will start playing eight-man football this season. The Trojans have been struggling to remain competitive in 11-man. Three-time Cy Young winner Clayton Kershaw has signed a one-year deal with the Dodgers. He will miss the first half of the season as he underwent shoulder surgery in November to repair a torn capsule in his throwing shoulder. The All-Star break has come to an end on the ice and the Canes will retain Return to action tonight as they host the Vancouver Canucks, who are tied for the most points in the NHL. That'll do it for ninety-four-three. The game, sports flash update, and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, we will recap last night's Inside Pirate Athletics with Kim McNeil.
0: And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. <laughs> it's the P-Man here on ninety-four-three. The game.
1: All right, uh, welcome back. Patrick Johnson Show here on uh, 94 3, The uh, Game. And uh, we are uh, continuing to uh, roll on here on this uh, Tuesday. All right, uh, Pilk, let's uh, do a pirate report.
0: And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, ninety-four-three, The Game.
1: All right, uh, let's start uh, last night from inside Pirate Athletics from tiebreakers on the ECU Sports Radio Network. We had uh, Coach Kim McNeil and uh, women's basketball like the men are off this week. Uh, so, uh, as far as a midweek game, they'll return to action at home Saturday against Charlotte for Girls and Women in Sports Day. Let's uh, hear from Coach Kim on the season so far.
4: Well, I mean, as everybody knows, you know, we're down two key starters, you know, in, in Micah Dennis and Samia Johnson. And so, when they went down, it, it was it was a huge blow. You know, you, you lose the point guard, which is extremely important. It's like losing your quarterback for football. And then Sania plays such a vital role in our defense, you know, and and just leadership ability. So it's been a lot of adjustments, a lot of kids playing a lot more minutes than I had anticipated, playing out of position. You know, Karina Gordon has taken on the point guard position along with Bobby Smith. And so that's a transition within itself because she's not Micah. She's different. I don't want her to be Micah. Um, But I think we're finally starting to figure it out. You know, some kids are having to score a little bit more. You know, I've told the twins, you know, Talia and Tati, I need them to score more. I need them to be more of a factor. And I think they're starting to figure that out.
1: All right. Uh, Kim McNeil also talking about the team adjusting after injuries to a couple of key guards.
4: You know, I, I thought at first we were okay. You know, we played UT San Antonio, which was the first conference game we played after Michael went down and we beat him pretty badly. And then we went down to Memphis and we played, we out a, a win at Memphis. And so I thought we were going to be okay. And then we go into the, the next couple of days and it was almost like it kind of hit them that those two were out and we kind of struggled a little bit thereafter. And, you know, our, our defense, I think, has struggled the most. You know, if you've watched us play here lately, we were playing a little bit more man. You know, Casania was really the, the brains in the one-two-two, two, and kind of, you know, it was very vocal and set up a lot of things for other people, for other for other things to happen. And then we it, look in the lineup, and you got three new kids, you know, in in the lineup that hadn't played our matchup, and it takes a while to really learn it. You know, it takes really a year, and so we were seeing our numbers go down defensively, giving up, you know, 20 more points than people are averaging, not turning people over, and. And so we're like, you know, we got to do something different. It's a new squad. So now we're going, you know, make miss with our matchup in Maine. And it seemed to has been successful for us. You know, we held Tulsa to probably a season low, you know, last week, which for us I think was a huge confidence booster um, because they're, they're, they are an offensive juggernaut.
1: One of the players who has stepped up in the absence of uh, those players that were injured, Johnson and Micah Dennis, is uh, Karina Gordon. And uh, Coach McNeil talking about her.
4: No, definitely. You know, for me. In any situation, being a a good or a bad situation, you want to find some good within it. And so these young kids are getting an opportunity to log a lot more minutes than what I had anticipated. So, you know, she's really not a freshman anymore. She's a sophomore. And I think those minutes are going to really play dividends for her later on in the season and and even next year. But I recruited Karina to be a shooter. you know, And now she's having to play the point guard position, which is two very different mentalities. You know, so she's learning. Um, to now be a combo guard and and to figure out how to score, but also how to run a team and put everybody else in a position to be successful.
1: So uh, Denae McNeil was named the player of the week for the second time. She had 23 points and five assists at Wichita State Sunday. And uh, we had a chance to talk to Denae last night as well. 3,000 points in her, high, in her uh, high school career and was offered by South Carolina and Clemson when she was in seventh and eighth grade. I mean, Tremendous player. Started as a career, her career with the Tigers, of course. Transferred to East Carolina. And uh, Danae McNeil uh, was someone that Coach Kim talked about. Teams are, are having a hard time figuring out how to guard her. Here's why.
4: She got off to a really good start. Very hard start. Hot start. I think people are trying to figure out how to defend her. You know, we've seen people kind of jump her on, you know, whenever we set ball screens for her. But last night we saw something we hadn't seen early as soon as she got the ball, they double-teamed her. You know, no screen, no nothing. Uh, I think she kicked it, back, kicked it back to Karina, and she knocked down a couple of threes, so I guess they thought at that point that wasn't going to work.
1: Tatiana Weish is uh, one of the players uh, that uh, had a huge game. The first ECU basketball player to have a double-double with seven blocks in women's basketball history. She did that against the Wheat Shockers.
4: And they weren't just blocks. Rejections. <laughs> they were I went back and watched some of them today, and it was they, they were swats. I mean, she was knocking them out of bounds, knocking them back in their face. Um, just, just a really fun and exciting performance to watch from her last night.
1: With Saniya Johnson and Micah Dennis out, the Pirates have kind of had to change what they do defensively. Uh, more man-to-man, and uh, Coach Kim McNeil on uh, that when we spoke to her last night.
4: I think we're getting there. We, we've still got some things we got to get better at. We still got to improve upon guarding the ball. You know, keeping people out of the middle of the paint. Um, now, you know that we know our rotations. Now, what are we doing out of those rot- rotations? Can we cause more havoc so we can get those steals and those turnovers back up to, you know, high twenties, you know, thirties where we were doing uh, before, but. You know, I, I'm, I'm happy with the progress. I'm happy that we can go make mess. miss. You know, we're, we're showing some, some man, and we got good size out there. You know, Karina's the smallest one at 5'8", and everybody else is six little yep. uh, above.
1: And a quickie here. Let's go to Cut 8, where uh, Coach Kim talked about uh, finding her love for coaching.
4: My senior year, I was like, you know, I got to come up with a backup plan, and that's when I, you know, started coaching AAU basketball in Richmond. Oh, okay. And that's where I found my love for coaching.
1: All right. Uh, well, that will uh, wrap it up for the show here today. By the way, uh, the women's basketball team uh, with a uh, GPA of uh, over three, I think it was 343, three, something like that. Don't quote me chapter and verse. But uh, 13 of the players, actually, maybe higher. Thir- it might be 36. That stands out for some reason. But 13 of the 15 players uh, on the team have a 3 5 or higher GPA, and the other two have a GPA over 3.0. So. Uh, tremendous job! That I don't think that's uh, talked about enough with uh, the ECU women's basketball team. Hey, thanks to Jim Zoki for being with us. Uh, we'll be with John Gilbert tomorrow. Uh, special uh, interview with uh, ECU Director of Athletics John Gilbert coming your way on the Patrick Johnson Show. Thanks to Philip. Thanks to intern William. Have a great evening, everybody.
4: We got fighters. Early bird.